It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, brought to you by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist editor with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com, playing one ear drum down, and uh, Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Um, this, for, is, this is awful. I know you're reading about it as we're getting into this podcast. He woke up this morning. Chad said he was congested a little bit, like we all do in the morning. You sneeze into a into a Kleenex to clear your head out, and you're down an eardrum, man. I'm down an eardrum, and it says, but typically, especially if you protect your ear, a ruptured eardrum will heal on its own without treatment within a couple of months. Well, that's good. That means the sad part is that means you're going to be louder trying to hear yourself scream. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> First of all, thoughts and prayers to our hero today. He's just toughing this podcast out. I can't believe he's here. I can't either. Well, based on that, yes. Second of all, a magical moment as we're getting ready to go on this podcast, trying to do a sound check, and he's intently reading. You go, he's intently reading something over there, and he goes, yeah, looking up busted eardrum. <laughs> He, he was trying to put his mind at ease, and I think he made it better. Well, actually, you get your mind at ease because it says it'll heal on its own, right? Yeah, within a couple months. That's all right. Better than it never heals at all. He doesn't care about hearing. He cares about his pain that he's in. I'm in a lot of pain. Take pain meds, man. Get, get your little ibuprofen. Be good to go. Put some eardrops. Now you got to put some eardrops in. Some, I did. Some pain-numbing eardrops. Like hell. I'll bet it did. That part I will give you. All right, let's touch on, on what, what might have hurt like hell last night. A UC possible loss. It looked like at one point down 18 with seven minutes to go in the first half. And the, I think the, the most interesting thing is not that they came back to win, is that they came back and wiped that deficit out as fast as they did. Yeah, that that last like four minute stretch at the end of the half was just huge, an incredible flurry. Um, the, the funny thing is, Houston, for whatever reason, they went two hours in their walkthrough yesterday, and it was like like a practice, practice, practice. Yeah, and then I get there usually about five o'clock. Games at seven. They had like five guys going through like, like severe workouts, like intent dripping sweat with with assistant coaches. So it sounds like a punishment workout to me. So it was well, but the thing was, it wasn't real to that point. It wasn't really a surprise. They started hot because you could tell. Obviously, like they were hell bent on blitzing Cincinnati from the start of that game. You got to keep your legs the rest of the game. Yeah. And that's that's how you get beat by 28 points in 27 minutes. In the final 27 minutes. I mean, it, it, they were they were really really good that first 12 minutes Houston was. And they executed well, they hit open shots, they moved the ball, they they really put a lot of pressure on Cincinnati's defense. And then once Cincinnati figured them out and kind of put the clamps on them, that's the difference with this team. Three years ago, this team would never have been able to come back from 18 points like that. And they turned the defense up. But not only they turned the defense up, they scored 65 points in the final 27 minutes. It's 30, 33-15 was the big margin. Yeah, at and it got so. to 80. So yeah. 65 points in 37 minutes. They're, they're 27 minutes. They have another gear, and they hit it last night. To me, this is the most impressive game we've seen from them all season. Yeah. What they did last night... Maybe the most impressive game I've seen from a Mick Cronin coach team in a while just because they took the restrictor plate off. They got behind and were like, we've got to go, and he just let those dudes ball out, and guess what? Defense really didn't suffer much, did it? Like, they were still pretty darn good defensively, and all of a sudden they got out to a point where they were scary on offense, the way they were playing, and those guys looked confident and like they were having fun, and they were shooting more threes, and it was like, whoa. 
Yeah, if that's he, that's a tough team to beat right there. If if you're playing Cincinnati and Gary Clark and Kyle Washington go five of seven from three, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, a lot of trouble. And and that was a, a product of Houston was trying to pack the lane and do everything they could to to keep Cincinnati away from the rim. And once they started hitting some threes and things opened up, the floodgates just just poured. And you can look at that and say, well, it's kind of a fluke. They're not going to shoot like that every time, and maybe they got lucky or whatever. But to me, you shoot like that and get lucky like that when you play offense the way Cincinnati was playing offense with that type of flow, that type of ball movement, that type of confidence, that type of pace. It looked good. I was I was thoroughly impressed. That was kind of the performance on offense we were waiting to see from this team, and we saw it. And you know why? It was because we got what we thought we were going to get from the beginning, where it's Jacob Evans for four minutes. It's, and Kyle, it's Kyle Washington, Washington for yeah. five minutes. I mean, he 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 put went on. It seemed like a mini run of his own there, yeah. where he was just. I mean, he had a little hit jump a hook on the base on the baseline. Um, got I think fouled twice. Yeah, got got to the line. I mean, he he showed a vast array of things. Yeah, and that they're a different team with that Kyle Washington offensively. Uh, but then you know Gary got going a little bit in a couple different spurts, and then down the stretch, Jaron Cumberland gets aggressive and gets to the free throw line. I think seven. Or oh, eight the, head, times. the head fake on the three was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. It, he almost. I tell you, you want to talk about strong? He pump faked that. For those that didn't see, pump faked it. Got his guy in the air, then leaned into him, got hit, was on his way back down, and slung it at the rim and yeah. almost made it. And and he didn't move, and the other guy right. Did. <laughs> It, it was it was thoroughly impressive what they were able to do over that final twenty seven minutes. Yeah, and that was one of the. I mean, I, I did a thing on localtoll dot com for each of the teams, and, and that was certainly one of the key games they have left. They've obviously got them again on the road, two more with Wichita. Um, you know, you could you can you can swallow hard splitting with Houston and splitting with Wichita, getting swept by by certainly Houston would, yeah. would be a little damning for the seed line. So you took care of the part that you need. And then you go to Houston, you get another feather in your cap with another big win. Um, so you've kind of got a little bit of things in the bank with that. This UC team owns Houston, by the way, like in terms of programs. I don't know if that had anything to do with that collapse i think it had a lot more to do with uc just playing awesome but i don't think uc is going to go and lose at houston because i think mentally there's a big hurdle that the cougars have to overcome every time they play cincinnati at this you know point. the all-time record right take a guess at what the all-time record is no idea i think it's 29 and 2 wow yeah 30 and 2 something along those lines and what's Houston's it since they joined cincinnati. the aac I don't think Houston. I don't think Houston's won. I don't either. It's been complete domination. Well, and the thing is, if you're Houston now, you shot your shot. Like you played as well as you could play for 12 minutes to put that game and put in Cincinnati, a comfortable spot. Really, to put Cincinnati on the ropes, and it's three at halftime. It's 18 with seven minutes to go, right. and it's three at halftime. Like. I don't know how you you bounce back from that one and two Cincinnati's now figured out how to defend you because I think that was you know Houston has a different look this year they're playing with five guys that can score it's not like last year they were really relying on Rob Gray right. and Damian Dotson this year they're spreading it around I mean Rob Gray had a terrible game yeah one of six on threes yeah and and they still were able to to or at least early get that big lead now Cincinnati has the recipe for you 
So yeah, the only thing I would say is I do think they can bounce back because if if, if you're them, you're you. you if, yeah, if it's you, me as you the coach, say we got up eighteen. Uh, you know, we played really well for that stretch, and maybe it's on me for putting you guys through what I put you through in practice the day before and in the walkthrough. Maybe, maybe that's on me. Uh, again, maybe it was a punishment thing. Who knows? I mean, you know, there's different ways to discipline guys. I don't know if you do it before a big game like that, but maybe you I did. think he. I, I legit. I don't think it was. I think he legit wanted to come out fast. He wanted his guys to be like locked in right from the start, but. You still have to have legs now, for 40 minutes. The, the flip side is when UC goes back to Houston, if UC does get up on them early, I can see a woe is us moment of, oh, gosh, boy, we they are that much better than we are. Yeah. so It's going to be interesting. Well, it, 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 it does. It, 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 the, the key was it, it went from what looked like an ugly loss um, to a really, really good win. Well, and that's a Houston team. Everybody talks about their offense. They were 27th in the country in adjusted defense coming into the game. And to put 80 on them – no, I think the big is a sixty-five in in, in, in twenty-seven, 27 minutes. minutes. Yeah, that, absolutely. But even you know, even the 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 wider you put eighty on them, and that was the the recipe for them. They jumped Michigan State. They're up to five in Ken Palm. Yeah. Uh, next up for UC, and this is a weird schedule in in the, in the league because they they played at Memphis, came back and played a home game. Then they're going Ever, at UConn, yeah. then coming back home to play Central Florida, then at SMU and at Houston. They've yeah. got a two gamer there, but that's a weird schedule to me. It's been like that almost all year. It's been one home, one away, one home, one away. It's been very odd. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it, back in the day, it was always like I said, there was a Thursday, Saturday, or a Friday, Sunday. You'd go have your road partner. Well, there's no partners. In Correct. This that's the thing. There's just not partners anymore for the most part. But I mean, I guess you, you like, you know, now they're starting to build up such a Southwest base right. that you almost could. But what would the Cincinnati swing be? Cincinnati, UConn? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess Cincinnati, Memphis. I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, but UConn's out there. Yeah, on an Cincinnati's island. Cincinnati's the closest. On an island. Speaking of UConn, they're up next. Um, do you have any worries whatsoever? Yeah. I've talked so much trash. I'm concerned. <laughs> that's why you're concerned? Yeah. Because, yeah. Just for that reason. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really that, the only actual that, that, reason. That's to be a good concerned. reason. That's a good enough reason talk, for me. They're not. They're better at home. They're still bad. They're better at home, but I just don't see the way that they play offense. How they score on this team, right? Because it's all one on one. It's all isolation. They don't pass. They it, like they've quit on their coach. I mean, that was very apparent last night at the end of the wow. game. Wow. I, I mean, to get dusted by that UCF team but well, like even at the end they still had chances to like stay in it you know make it a one possession game and be right there with a minute on the clock like I mean they grab a rebound and then just throw it out of bounds it's like, yeah what what they're done what are you doing so the yeah the only concern is I've talked so much trash that 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 karma comes back to get you yeah and and, and, you see. and especially after what just happened with the efficiency that they played with do you have a much do you go to UConn with a lot of intensity now most of these guys consider UConn a pretty big rival that has developed you know since the start of the Big East that they've been together um I know you know but like Gary's big battle was with Amita Brima right. Amita Brima's not there anymore like I mean I maybe he uh harkens the the memory of getting his front teeth busted out in last year's American Athletic Conference tournament and then scoring 28 on them. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't see much of a reason there's going to be. Uh, UConn is okay defensively at home. <clears throat> they gave up 70 to Central Florida, which. How's your eardrum feel when you cough? Oh, it hurts like hell. I was just thinking that. I it bet that would like be painful. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel good at all. Um, I don't know. I, 
I'm trying to rationalize ways that that it's going to be close, so I cover my ass a little bit. But this should not be. It should be a comfortable ten, twelve. Well, and, and yeah, I think it's one if you if you can jump on them early in the way things are going with with Kevin Ollie. That you're right. If they've quit on him, they they will quit very quickly in a game like that. So, um, so you see now twenty and two and nine and zero in the American Athletic Conference. Let's turn to to Xavier Rick. Um, it, it was funny. Um, I, I heard one of my radio friends, Mo Egger, talking the, uh, the other day before the game about he couldn't believe the line was four and a half. Got to load up the truck and and make a big bet. I can't believe it. And I kept thinking, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Now, if he got it at four and a half, he did win by half a point. He but won because he posted at the end. Did he? Okay. okay. About a cover. Yeah. Okay. About, so, yeah. so then he did win. So good for him. But um, I think sometimes when you, you – you, people, when they look at lines sometimes, just assume how can it be that team is so much better than that team. But you know with this game it's been a matchup issue – um, just all the things were pointing to this was going to be a tight game for whatever reason, and Xavier Xavier kind of allowed that too, right? I mean, to some degree, it's on them. They were pretty awful, honestly. Yeah. Like it, going into that game, I told you guys on this podcast going in, like, hey, I think this might be one where Xavier slips up and even loses. I didn't have much confidence for X. Then I watched the film on Synergy, and I start watching how bad this St. John's team had been. Saw that Shamori Pons was dealing with that thigh bruise and had been terrible the last two games, and I'm just saying. There's no way Xavier actually loses this game. I mean, it just can't happen. This team is too bad. And then we get 25 minutes in. I'm going, Xavier's going to lose this game exactly like I said they were going to all week. Um, the fact I, I never expected Trayvon and JP and the entire team to be as bad as they were there. I just thought St. John's would be a lot better. Yeah, and Shapari Pons went off. He went for 31. And a night when JP and, and Trayvon combined to go 2 of 15 on 3, that should be the recipe for a loss. It really should be. And yet they found a way to win. Yeah, I, I I just don't think, like even a few weeks ago when we were talking, when Xavier hit that two-game uh, you know, skid and they had played kind of weaker opponents poorly the, the few games leading up to that, and I, I was saying this team is designed for Trayvon Blewett and J.P. McCure to be the best players on the court and lead this team, and this team will struggle if that doesn't happen. Well, obviously they struggled at St. John's, but for them to find a way to win that game— mm-hmm. To me, I guess the biggest concern is if you if you look at this team and say, well, Trayvon Blewett and J.P. McCure just don't, aren't good enough for me. They're not cutting it, and they're not playing well enough in, in games that don't matter. That's a fair point. Like I, I, can, I can see that argument. But for someone who's watched the program as much as you have, I don't think you have the concerns about Trayvon and J.P. showing up when it matters. Like I think they'll be pretty good and be yeah. there in the postseason as they've been in the past. But, but over a 30-game regular season schedule, someone else has to pick up the slack two, three, four nights when both or either or neither plays well. And, and that's why you look at this game, it's like, yeah, Xavier stunk, and those two weren't good, but this game was almost more of a positive, I think, for Xavier than not because you're like, whoa, Quentin Gooden and Paul Scruggs can carry this team when all of their wings play bad? Didn't see that coming. You know, I didn't expect that. Yeah, and they're not going to carry you for 30 games. Your two stars are. Your two stars are going to carry you for 25 of those 30 games, and you need some nights where somebody else does it for the other three, four, or five games. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Yes. Chris Mullen is not going to win Big East Coach of the Year. Uh, that's a pretty safe safe prediction. Wow. Yeah. Not ideal. Uh, the last five minutes, what the hell was he doing? Like, Does nothing. he do anything? I, actually, nothing would be the correct response. He it's was watching. Unbelievable. Like, they, they had a chance to kind of get Xavier on the ropes. Xavier was on the ropes to to make it like make him pay for being on the ropes. Yeah. And he just kind of stood there. (laughs) Yeah. They missed some free throws that compounded the issue, 
But there was no strategy from St. John's end to try to win that game at all. Yes. Correct. I, I, I will also but say. The thing is, though, he's not coaching for his livelihood. He really isn't. He's got money in the bank from NBA days. It's almost like, honestly, it's almost like he decided on a, on a whim to, to go coach an AAU team and just have fun with it and, and not be overly stressed about wins and losses. I didn't think there was any way possible they could hire someone worse than Steve Lavin, and they did. They did. They accomplished that. That Someone is, much worse, actually. That is astonishing. And I will, I will tell you this. The way that game ended, and then the way the Kentucky game ended, I texted him, Cincinnati's going to lose tomorrow. <laughs> it was, it, it, I just had determined that basketball, it was not my week for, for the basketball. It was your week for the basketball. It wasn't your week for your eardrum, though. So th- there was the payoff. There's the payback right there. I lost. All right. I want to I segue off, and not, I'll, I'll get to Kentucky in a second, but you just talked about um, Chris Mullen's not going to be the Big East coach of the year. But I will ask you this. I mean, we're still obviously got a ways to go. Chris Mack and and Mick Cronin for for national coach of the year. Who who would who would you pick above either, if you would? Right now, Holtman still. Okay, that's not, that's not a bad one. Honestly, I think Tony Bennett. I think Chris Holtman would be my pick. I'm coming around to Tony Bennett because there were a lot of people that didn't even have Virginia in their top twenty-five. I'm not a like. That's there's that's there's fair. some bias because I'm not sure. a huge Virginia guy. And I don't think many people are because they've seen this act from them a million times. But to have them where they're at after nobody thought that they were going to be all that relevant. I mean, I think it, it's those two I definitely would have ahead of of Mick and Mac. But there's not a long list after that. Yeah, I think I think you nailed that. Um, the thing about Thanks. the thing about Virginia is they're not Wichita State or Gonzaga where they're beating up on inferior competition. He does this undefeated regularly the in the ACC. That's really impressive. They're not built for tournament success. No. It's like you've talked about that style, yeah. but that is built for regular season success. He's turned – Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy are stars. Yeah. What but the – You know what's weird, though? I still don't feel like this Virginia team, and maybe it's just the lack of postseason success, or maybe it's just that they're in the ACC where they're overshadowed by some other teams in their own conference, regardless of how well they yeah. perform. It doesn't seem like they're cashing in in terms of building up cachet. Like no. I don't feel like they're in a different spot recruiting than they were five years ago. I don't feel like we talk about them nationally with the same, oh, well, watch out for Virginia, right? regardless of if they're ranked in the top five or not. I mean, they're not Duke. They're not North Carolina, which you don't necessarily expect them to be, but they're not even moving up to me in that equation where I feel like UC and Xavier have over the last five years kind of changed the way people talk about them, gained more national uh, notoriety. They've increased their recruiting profiles. I don't get that sense from Virginia. They're recruiting pretty well at Virginia, pretty well. But, I mean, they've been an ACC school that's been recruiting pretty well for a long time. I I think he recruits to that system. I think you can get better guys for that system than he he has had, but – it's a weird deal. Like even you know they beat Duke and and Duke doesn't even drop. Like right, the the buzz for that win vanished almost instantly. It felt like yeah, and I don't know why that is. And maybe that's totally just a perceived thing on my part. Like no, maybe- I, I I agree with you with the perception because I qualified it before I even nominated him as coach of the year. Like there's a quantifier there that nobody really believes in them because that style is not tournament friendly, but it is very regular season friendly and. Look what they do. Like they play North Carolina. North Carolina averages like eighty six points a game. Every time Virginia plays North Carolina, they struggle to get to fifty. Right. 
That's, I mean, that, that Duke offense got 63. I mean, that, that Duke offense. They are legitimately, by a wide margin, the best defense in the Ken Palm era since 2002. And this isn't, even though it's adjusted, this isn't UC doing it against the 250th strength of schedule on offense. Right. That's the thing is doing it in the ACC is just so hard. It's an offensive league. Yeah. That's what's, that's what's maybe the most impressive is that's, for the most part, an offensive league. And they just choke people out. But but it's also kind of funny like how that works because I think like the American we talked about how defensive all those teams are and they're trying to beat Cincinnati at their own game. And it's like yeah. that's not going to work. But at the Virginia, same time, I think you see the other thing with Virginia where everyone else is trying they to realize, do this other style and it's like, Well, we have something different at least. Yeah. You know? No, yeah. I agree with you. And you realize you don't have offensive oriented guys and you're probably not gonna be able to recruit highly over offensively coordinated or oriented guys. So why not go ahead and, and, and do something completely different? It's such a talent rich area though, like for them not to get more kids. You know, yeah, but but you're also looking at kids looking at a system like that, maybe going, I ain't playing in that system. True. I mean, you know, he's going to ask me to guard somebody for that long? Uh, no, no thank you. We're going to grind it out on offense? No. we got to make how many passes before yeah, we exa- shoot? Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you talk, like, like Cincinnati's style for, for a long time was fairly similar because they just didn't have the talent on offense to play fast. But as the talent level has increased, Mick has at least tried to get them playing at a little bit more right. pace offensively. Defensively, they're still. You're, it's going to take you thirty seconds to get a, a good right. shot. But Virginia is, is last in tempo offensively and defensively, so it's not a a desired style to play for. And you have to get a certain type of kid that's going to buy into that. But I don't think anybody saw this coming from them, which is why I would say probably Tony Bennett first, Chris Holtman second. second. Yeah, what Chris, then, what Chris Holtman's done at Ohio State is really impressive with with all I the think departures. It's somebody, their schedule's not very good. Yeah. But they're not losing games that that they should. No one gave them a chance. No, I mean, let's be honest. So, and nobody saw Keita Bates Diop all of a sudden resurrecting his career and becoming the Big and, Ten and player. I, and of I will, the and year. I will tell you, I mean, they're ten and one right now in the Big Ten after last night. They do have a, a, the more difficult part of their yeah. schedule left. They still have to play at Purdue, at Penn State, which don't sleep on it. I mean, Penn State's actually in a fight to to be on the bubble at Michigan and at Indiana. So they still have those now. They got four easy games left too. They got Illinois. Iowa or three easy games, Illinois, Iowa, and Rutgers, but um, they could still lose another two or three games. But it, it won't detract from the job he's done. I mean, if you're ten, you finished fourteen and four in the Big Ten in your first year with all the departures you had. When everybody thought you were going to be four and fourteen, correct? That that's pretty impressive. I'd like to be playing Michigan State if I was a Big Ten team over the next few weeks. That's who I'd want on my schedule. Boy, they look like a mess. He looks like a mess. I mean, they're surviving. It's not like they're they're you know they're struggling yet, but. It's going to get really heavy the next few weeks. He, Tom Izzo finally looks old. It, it looks like the, the last, hit. the last, yeah, it hit quickly. Joe Paterno died. Right. Went from, that's a great looking 80-year-old man to dead in a year. Yeah. This stuff weighs on you, man. And, and schools think, I know we touched on it last week, but schools think, like, deny, 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 don't talk about it, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. Well, now the, 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 the hounds are hungry and they smell blood. So every question you get is directed that way. The biggest problem for Izzo is he's the most visible person at the university to begin with, but now especially because they're playing games 
twice a week, and yep. he has to do media sessions three times a week at least. So people can get to him and ask questions. They can't go to other administration right. members and stuff like that and get, get their questions answered. And the fact that he's not going to talk about it, which I'm not saying is right, wrong, or whatever, but the fact that he's not talking about it, this ain't going away. It's only going to continue to get heavier. No, I, I, heavier I think he's trying to just push it off to the point where the season's over. He retires and walks away from it all and tries to tries to wash his hands of it, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he's got a really good team. No, I, I would go back to what you said. I mean, schools, if, if they find out stuff like this, are so much better off, and maybe that's the lesson through all this, just get it out in front. Don't don't protect these guys. Don't. Just don't do it. It's not. You're it, not going to win. Correct. You can't win. Well, I, I again, I think the problem is like, yeah, we're we're calling out some of these big things, but that's a couple big scandals that we've uncovered. I mean, this has happened probably at not not to this a scale lot. necessarily, but covering up sexual assaults and stuff has been happening for so long at so many schools, and the reason it's continued to happen is because guys do win doing it. I mean, look at Izzo for example. The guys we're talking about, he won with years ago, yeah. and he's continued to win and and, and build his profile as a coach. So. The issue is you do win doing it in the long I don't, run. I don't though, think it, anymore you do. I, it, I, I don't think anymore you do. I think, I well, think you're right. I think, I think for, for a long time you did, but I think now everybody is, is more than willing and having the guts to come out and say something. I think it's starting to get that way, but I also think there's also a lot more paper trail because of all the digital stuff yep. we have scattered all over the place that there's just a lot more paper trail for people to find when you do finally when when the hounds start coming or the, the you know outside the lines or <laughs> there's, there's, start, there's no burning the paper <laughs> yeah there's there's nothing you can do to just say well no one's going to talk to you there's all types of evidence Dan Wetzel shows up and you're like you're screwed <laughs> sorry sir closed <laughs> yeah doesn't doesn't work that way all right let's segue to uh, to Kentucky and uh, coming off that great win over West Virginia looked like they were going to come off of that great win over West Virginia and lose to arguably one of the two or three worst teams in the in the Southeastern Conference. At but home. At home. Um, I, I mean, they look dead in the water. I, I still am trying to figure out how they even came back at the end. I, I really I, I really am. The overtime, I, I, I thought, once they got to the overtime, but I, I thought, thought they'd win by 100. Right. But I thought in the overtime, but to get to the overtime, I didn't think there was any chance in the world. Let me ask you this, Coach Skinner. Yes. Why the hell did he have somebody on the free throw line with it's, three seconds left? I can't That's why that. you pull everybody back. Correct. Correct. So something stupid doesn't happen. Correct. Correct. Get off the line. If you've got five guys standing at half Find court. Find your match. And Kentucky gets the ball with two seconds left. You win. Yes. You win. What are you doing? Overthinking it. Not thinking it. You tell me. What's the purpose of having somebody on the line? I, there. I, in those circumstances, I don't. I mean, I, I, I'm looking to just get my match and, and go from there. I I also no I mean you're right about that I also thought it was funny um, the last play of the game where Quad A Green scored the the winning basket the winning basket in which he looked like he was just in a layup line by himself in, in pregame warm up well that and, layup and they didn't Vanderbilt didn't call a timeout and we were in a group text and and somebody was like yeah I can't believe they didn't call that timeout and I was like that was like that was my first instinct too is how do you not call a timeout there and set your defense at the same time. There were like what five seconds left, and Quade Green took two or three dribbles without even looking like he knew the game was the Correct. clock was running out. Correct. I thought he was not even going to get a shot. No, I thought he, he was literally going to dribble it out in the backcourt for he, a second. He, he got a layup line or a warm up layup line jump shot or it, a layup. It was like he fooled everyone on the court. Like I'm going to dribble the clock out, and then all of a sudden he just yeah. realized there were three seconds left. He I'm going on the burners and went straight to the rim for a layup. Riley Lachance is going to wake up for the rest of his life having nightmares about Kentucky. Well, <laughs> and, and and let's be clear, like that's the issue with having Riley Lachance as your best player. 
Yeah. Like, you're just not going to win games like that at the end. That's why Vanderbilt's in the situation they're in. He's not a bad player, but he can't be your best player in the SEC. Quad Green went right by him like he was standing still for that layup. Uh, there were there were a couple other opportunities where he just got his doors blown <laughs> off too. So, and, and I, I would tell you, if they'd have lost that game, they they've got a bunch of tough games left in the SEC. I mean, they still have to play. They got Tennessee at home, but it is at home. But Tennessee's pretty good. They have to go to Auburn. They got Bama at home, and Bama, you know, you like them early in the year. They struggled, and they've started to find their stride a little bit. Yeah, John Petty's not playing real well for them, which is a problem because that's him and Colin Sexton are supposed to be their two guys. But right, they've got enough talent that. That they're going to be a problem on their home floor. They still have to go to Arkansas, to Florida, and to Texas A and M, and that'll be Texas A and M fighting for whatever life it's still got no, left. Dead. It's not dead yet. If you look at bracket matrix, <laughs> they're, they're they're still in the conversation. Sixty eight have to make 68 it. Sixty eight have to make it. Texas A and M still in that conversation. So they and they still have to go to Missouri, which probably won't be easy. So they've still got a really dead. So you can't afford losing to Vanderbilt at home. No, you can't. But as we talked about before we came on the podcast, to me, this UK team, it's so much more about how they play than who they play. Right. Because they're talented enough to play with anyone in the country if they play well. If they don't play well, they can lose to anyone in the country because their flaws are fatal when they're, when they're not going well. Yeah, um, and, and it almost went very wrong for them on Tuesday night against Vanderbilt. Yeah, and we saw issues with the man-to-man defense again, just a lot of blow-bys off the dribble. I, I, I can't tell how much of that is... One thing I will say, coming into the year, everyone talked about this should be an elite defensive team. A lot of people based that on the idea of Hamadou Diallo is going to be an elite lockdown defender, and he just has not been very good defensively. He has moments where he makes plays, but in a outside uh, of, every possession basis, he just gets blown by way too yeah, often. Yeah, outside, I mean, that stretch in the second half against Javon Carter, he was phenomenal. But that's how we expected him to be. Yeah, made him whatever shots he took and in, in, in made. John Carter were yeah. tough, contested jumpers, man. That's what you expected him to be all year, and it hasn't developed. Like, that kid is going to regret not going in the draft last year because he is not putting a, a good foot forward this year. He's going to almost have to be back, is he not? I mean, I don't think so. I think he's still a no doubt first rounder. I mean, the thing about him is he does show those stretches, like against Javon Carter, where you're like, that's the thing about freshmen. They don't understand yeah. the urgency of playing hard on every possession. He has shown he has the elite ability at times, and he's shown the ability to score better than I thought he would at times, too, offensively. He just hasn't been consistent. I think he'll end up going. I would love to see what he'd look like as a second-year college player. I want to ask you one other thing about the in, in the SEC, and it's, it's about the team in first place, Auburn. Um, I will admit up front, I saw them once in the non-league. I think I've seen them once in a conference game. Um, are they that good? I mean, we're getting deep in the season now. Twenty and two and nine and one. They'd be undefeated we're, if they had Austin Wiley. I mean, are they that good? Did you hear that? I, yeah, he said that. Bruce Pearl. We'd be undefeated if we had Austin Wiley. Yeah. You cheated, <laughs> dumbass. Um, they're they're pretty solid. I mean, they they've got a good talent level. It's never been a question that Pearl can coach. I, and I don't think they're like a top 15 team in the country no. or anything. Like, they're probably a little overrated. But I do think they're a very solid mid-tier team in any conference. No, no matter where they were, they'd be winning games. They might games. win the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, right now they're a two seed from Bracket Matrix. And, and I was just looking at the sevens. I mean, if you're Gonzaga, Florida State, TCU, or, would you be afraid to play Auburn? No. Look at the three. Yeah, that, like, if I'm, if I'm Cincinnati, yeah, Cincinnati, on the three yes, line. And they're, they're on the three Please. line now. Give me Auburn. Give me Auburn. Yeah. 
Um, but I, you know, I just, you just keep looking at the record and it, it, I feel like every week they're about to come back to earth. They'll go on the road and play somebody. I'm like, that, that's a 50, 50 game. Maybe even they should probably lose that game. And guess what they do? They find a way to win it. I think they'd be a pretty darn tough six or seven seed. Right. I think they're going to be a pretty darn week three or four seed. Yeah. And certainly a week two, which would be yeah, right now. I can't imagine they end up as a two, but I they win the SEC, either, they will. But they keep doing the same thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they've, they've got Kentucky coming to their place. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a game for both. It's a, it's a huge game. So maybe, maybe they do in the end. Um, for NKU, Rick, um, down the stretch here, their schedule's pretty favorable for them, really, if you look. I mean, they got two tough games left yeah. at, at UIC and, and at Wright State. Every other game – they should be anywhere from, what, a 7 to 15 to 16-point favorite, correct? Yeah, I would think so. They've got to win these next two without question. And that's you Youngstown cannot, and Cleveland State. They they cannot lose either of those two games, first of all, because those are like 300-level opponents. Then they've got a few big ones, like you mentioned. But other than that, yeah, I don't think they're going to have too many losses along the way. Yeah, here's what they got left. Youngstown, as we're recording this tonight, you mentioned Cleveland State. They're, uh, Youngstown 6-17, and 17, Cleveland State's 5-18. and 18. Um, they also have Milwaukee and Green Bay on the 8th and the 10th at home. Then they've got a little bit of a gap before they go play at Wright State. Then they got Youngstown back at home, at UIC, and, and then at UPI to, to wind up the season. All of those teams, except for Wright State and UIC, are sub-500 teams overall and sub-500 teams in the league. So the, the schedule sets up for you to really um, you know, put yourself in position. You need some help from Wright State losing to, to still maybe win the league. Yeah, what, what you'd want to see from this team, I think, over the next few games where they're going to be heavily favored before they get to Wright State is they need to get their offense back on track and find some consistency and flow on that end of the court because they just haven't been the same team as what we saw certainly last year and then even at times earlier this season when they were playing better. I think their defense is, is better than I expected it to be at this point. Their defense is ahead of their offense if you look at Ken Palm, and they're pretty darn good on that end of the floor. They're just not making shots, and part of it is like Drew McDonald, a 38% three-point shooter last year, shooting 31% this year, so that certainly hurts them. Um, there's a couple other guys that just aren't shooting quite as well, but times they just seem to get stagnant, and that's not who they are. They're a move the ball, fly up and down the court, take take bad shots, take quick shots. That that's fine, but you got to keep moving. And they just seem to get a little bit too one on one, a little bit too bogged down in the half court right now. Um, the, the other part for for them um, moving forward, and, and when you look, is you've talked about this is the whole where do you want to be opposite Oakland? And it's still fluid because you could still win the league, finish first, Oakland finishes fourth. You could still finish second, somehow Oakland bypasses UIC and finishes finishes third. I mean, it's still really fluid for how this thing's going to settle down. I think the point you made last week was you, the, the biggest thing you want to do is stay away from Oakland as long as possible. We played this game last year all the way down to the, right. the final day did. of the regular right. season. They ended up on the same side with Oakland. And, Oakland, and then Oakland loses their first And then first Oakland game. helped them out, yes. Yeah. You don't know in this tournament. Obviously, they've changed it up a little bit this year to where I think the double having the double buy as the number one or number two seed is way more advantageous now Absolutely. than it was the in previous years. I think it's nice now that they play the last place teams against each other. First and second seed get to play their games, and then you get a bye after that again. So um, it should it should be really helpful to get one of those first two seeds if you're NKU. So I think at that at this point, that's what you're looking for more than. Who's going to end up on the same side of the bracket as us? Right. Because, like you said, you can't control that. Correct. Um, we, we don't talk about it much on the on the podcast, Miami, but um, they've got a chance this year to do something they've not done since. Two, I had to look this up. I can't believe it's been that long since two thousand eight, two thousand nine. They got a chance for their first winning record, and, and based on what they've got schedule wise, they're twelve and ten now. That's a pretty good start for Jack Owens. I mean, he lost the freshman of the year in the league who transferred out, 
and they've actually taken a nice little step in this first year under him. Now, can they sustain it? Can he recruit to that league, to, to that school? Um, I, I don't know, but to do something that hadn't been done in almost a decade, that, that speaks volumes. It tells you how far that Miami basketball program had really sunk. Who is Jack Owens? He's the head coach at Miami, just in case you wonder. Was an assistant at Purdue. All right. Well, I was talking Miami basketball. I know. I just I figured, I figured we'd just get him in the conversation for a moment. Old man Owens, boy. Yeah. It is. a job done. Yep. Shout out to old man Owens, boy. He's, good, he's, a, he's a good man. He's a good man. Yeah. All right. Final take for you, Chad Brennan, other than your eardrum? No, I just want to get the hell out of here. I'm in pain. All right. Too much pain for him. How about you? I'm not going to make him stick around any longer. He brought donuts today. Yeah. We appreciate that. Thank I, you. Much. I also paid off my he did. Debt. For those who wanted it, he paid off with a 12 pack of Heineken. Rick Broering, thank you very much. Look like the derelict in the drugstore this morning at 8 a.m. buying that beer. I, I will say, if, if, that, if we need a final take, that is my take. Do not go into shady gas stations and purchase a 12-pack before 9 a.m. Yeah, because there's a lot of guys that would like that beer at 9 a.m. There are some unsavory people that instantly want to become your friends. Like, you become yes. the guy in the... You bought the, a 12-pack of Heineken, like... Oh. Nobody walk in, the, in, in that in that gas station by the Heineken, man. Immediately, like there not was not at nine a.m. Not at nine a.m. Who already made a purchase at the front counter was walking out, saw me grab the twelve pack of Heineken, and made a beeline back to ask me for money. And I was like, oh no, 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 sir, I don't carry cash. It's two thousand eighteen. Yeah, that, that's always the great cop out on that too. By the way, which is true, it's I've, usually true I've for me as well. I've never carried right, cash right. in my life. I, I, I like the guy. The, I, this, I get this about once every three or four months at the Speedway in Covington, right? I get the. Hey, I'm looking to get some gas, blah, blah, blah. And so what I'll do is I'll go, okay, I got $3 left on this card. Here you go. And they usually will invariably turn it down. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm all right. That's because you have a, a collection of Speedway gift cards. I do. I've got like a dollar on dollar seventy three on each one of them. He just reloads them. Yeah. No, actually consolidate them after a while. Oh, okay. So it, you it, you make somebody wait behind you in line while you consolidate Speedway No, 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 no. I, no I, I, I'm just talking about when I have, have some left over. I've got a bunch in my, in my glove box. So... Consolidate means you put them all into one. I, I realize that. It just it requires work on the phone to do that. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you were at the gas station. No, like, no, no, no. Can you put no. the 78 cents from this card onto card three yeah, and no, also no, no. take card five? I think there's 229 on that one. Get that one on the card three as well. I would beat your ass. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. No. I, I'm the one that gets frustrated with the guy that's trying to get the, the, the scratch-off ticket and he can't figure out which one to get. Um, Give me a number. Tw- no, I think no. a number 10. What's the how last much, one? Yeah. How much is fourteen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. And so, then, then he's not done. Then can I get a pack of uh, Paul Mall Reds? And I need uh, pick three. <laughs> yeah, seven nine six box, and uh, a couple pick fours. I, I also like. Let me get a. Uh, I'll get. I'll just get the crosswords one. Just give me the crosswords one. Okay, that'll be five dollars. Oh, I uh, thought that was a dollar. dollar. Oh, uh, never mind. Oh, I gotta look again. <laughs> My favorite place. Thank God I don't live in Newport anymore. There you go. Shout out to Circle K. Yep. One of the best. One of the best. Circle K on Glenway, baby. One of my favorites. Circle K on Stevenson. Oh, that's right. That's a good one. That's my spot. That's that's a a good one. Rick's like in the Hall of Fame at Circle K on Stevenson. I really am. I bet you are. It wouldn't shock me. (laughs) I don't know if it's the Hall of Fame, but they do have a picture of of mine up in the store. Is that that your go-to place? Oh, yeah. No question. It's been for... Every day. Years. Every day for six years. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. They know you by name? No. Okay. Because somebody's somebody different by the cash register every time. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they can't keep an employee longer than a week. That's a good point. All right. Boys, I appreciate it very much. Chad, take care of that ear, okay? One of the doctors. Oh, by the way, I meant to bring this up. 
apparently in, in your uh, in your quest to beat each other out for uh, for new subscribers, you guys did pretty well, and he ended up acing you out, correct? He Chad, did. Chad Brendel was the winner. He did win, but thank you to everyone. I know. That was, that was, that was, I, I was following along on Twitter very intently. Yeah, it was, it was an awesome week for both of us. I mean, to see the leaderboard, and then you see our names up there above, like, schools with big-time football State. programs. Yeah, that was that it's was, pretty cool. We had, we actually Shannon Terry gave us or Pat Tholey gave us who one of the big bosses talked about all the stuff and then even gave us a shout out for very for nice the success that we had as uh, smaller market sites very nice you guys pushed it very well and the peoples came through for you yep thanks to all you Xavier fans appreciate it you can thanks, thank- thanks to Cincinnati fans as well we we kicked Boring's ass there hey, you go it's not, it's nice for them to get a win against Xavier once in a while there you go you're not you're not trying to find a cure for cancer are you. No, no. Actually, uh, there will be no Benadryl for us. Yeah. We're just going to take this L on the chin and, and move, move on. on. Okay. And everyone on my site got to keep their jerseys. I didn't rip them off anyone. They are still wearing their shirts and uh, checking the message board. So Very good. Yeah. Congratulations to both of you. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, for Chad Brendel, Bearcat Journal, and Rick Brewing of Musketeer Report, this has been the Skinny Podcast brought to you by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. It's the College Basketball Edition.